If you want to teach well online, grow an audience. Within this episode, we are going to cover what you need to know about growing an audience, how this even relates to teaching online, what your course can actually become when you have the right audience. We have three questions to ask you. Then we are going to introduce Cash Moyer of the KS Agency, who is so knowledgeable when it comes to growing an audience, not just in her business, but in other businesses and all other online entrepreneurs. She has some gold to share with you. So you're not going to want to miss that. Then we're going to give you tips on how to grow your audience. And we have a very brand new, shiny, amazing, wonderful framework for you. Chad, tell them about our online course clarity framework. One of the greatest challenges any online course creator or any business owner has is, am I speaking to the right people? Do I have the right audience? And am I saying the right thing to them? And so this course clarity framework will help you nail your target audience and it will help nail your topic that you're going to teach on. I guarantee when you download our course clarity framework, you are going to become so crystal clear on who you are serving and what content could actually go to this audience so you can start making money and you can get it for free. And this even works if you are already teaching online, you have already made some online courses, but you're not seeing the sales that you want. It may be because you didn't ask the questions that we're going to walk you through in this course clarity framework. Scroll down into the show notes to grab our free course clarity framework or head to teachwelloncom slash framework to get this for free. We're currently in a series on how to teach well from A to Z, taking a different topic, a different letter each week. This week, and I thought this week would never come, (laughs) we're on the letter G. Here we are. But we had a three-week break. Three-week break. So it does seem like it took longer. We intended to just have a two-week break because we were going on vacation and then our kids had off of school and we were trying to be realistic with ourselves. But we had to be even more realistic in that man, when you go on vacation and your kids have off of school, it takes a lot out of you. And we actually had even more of like an emotionally whiplashed journey in the last couple of weeks. And and by the way, can I just say how much I am glad that we figured this out at this point in our career? Like we've owned several businesses now for many years and we know when to just push pause. Oh yeah. I'm not afraid to be like, you know what guys, this is capacity right now. We just need to time out. You're, You're absolutely right on that. We... We have grown in that. We used to just power through and be like, whether, you know, rain or storm or shine. Yeah, you, we're feel gonna... this, you feel this pressure. And, and I remember we were on a, on a walk and we were like, you know what? Life is about to be crazy yeah. for, for the next couple of weeks. Let's just put pause. And I was like, the good thing is that this is an A to Z series. Yeah. So we'll just pick up with the next letter and yeah. it doesn't matter if it's the next week or and, whatever. And you know what? I, I know that you missed us. I know that you guys really missed us. The only person who asked me when we were coming back on the podcast was my dad. <laughs> Thanks, dad. Because he actually listens to he it. He does. So. Thank Shout you. Shout out. Um, but here is like, we had whiplash because we were supposed to go to Canada. And hours before, I mean, like less than 12 hours before, we put the girls to bed at 6.30 at night because we had to get up at 4 a.m. for our flights. But at 6.45, we got the email that our flights were canceled. There was no flights into Quebec City. That was canceled. So we had to do a whole day of like shuffling around, which by the way, we still need to check on that Airbnb claim. Yeah, I got to make some calls. Yeah. We had to like cancel our Airbnb and that was a whole big conundrum. Um, Then we had to, you know, get all of our points back for our flights and work on the canceling the Turo car. It was like the rug got pulled out from us like at in the off hours at the worst possible time. Yeah, yeah. The girls were really worried that they were going to go to school 
and people thought that they were lying. Like our oldest was really concerned because we sent them to school on Monday saying, okay, we're leaving for Canada on Tuesday. Well, on Tuesday, the day we were supposed to leave for Canada, it was canceled. So we sent them to school. Yeah, guys. Uh, and and I, would, I would love to know, like comment below, like if you were in that situation and you had kids and you told your kids, hey, we're going to go fly somewhere tomorrow and then it gets canceled. What should you do? Should you send them to school or should you keep them home? I we, felt terrible for them. Well, I know I did feel bad for them too, but they love, we go, it's not like they go to where they used to go to school. It's not like a, a typical like public school. Like we, we love the girls school. It's a very small, they have 12 people in their class. Like we love it. So anyways, they go to school then. And, and I'm telling them like, oh, but you're going to get to go to your Valentine's day party the next day. And they're like, oh, okay. All right. You know, I was trying to give them some type like of a like, double whammy. Yeah. yeah. Some type of something to look forward to. Well, then later on, on Tuesday at about four o'clock, we booked, we were supposed to go, we, we went with friends on, on this trip, but we were supposed to go to Canada with these same friends. So we ended up booking a house in Kiowa Island, the complete opposite of Canada. So we pick them up from school and we're like, surprise, you're not going to school tomorrow. And I mean, <laughs> the whiplash that it took, but it was, it was really, really great. We had a good time, but let me ask you this, Chad, Kiowa Island or Hilton Head Island? I think after having done both now, I'm a Hilton Head fan. Yeah, me It's too. just easier. Like, so, I mean, if you want to just get away from people and just be by yourself and be kind of self-sufficient for a while, go to Kiowa Island. But if you want to have things to do, be close to stores and activities, I would say Hilton Head. But anyway, so that's why we've been out yep, for that's why. <laughs> a little bit. And it's good to be back. Sometimes I wonder if just sitting down and doing this podcast would have been a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. But hey, here we are. And really excited to talk about the letter G, which is to grow an audience. And I guarantee you, somebody probably just saw this topic and they're like, what in the heck does growing an audience have to do with teaching well? And, and, I, and that's a fair question, right? Because fair. isn't growing an audience marketing... Isn't that what marketing coaches are for? Right. And, is, and aren't we here at TeachWell all about the teaching bit? And, and aren't we the ones that say, if you get your teaching right, it's yeah. going to give you great marketing. Explain which will to give us, you why, great why does this matter? Why do we care about your audience? Growing an audience has everything, absolutely everything to do with teaching well. In fact, you posted an Instagram story in a post yesterday that I think summed it up really, really well yesterday. Right, which was a lot of people think that the audience is your customer. That's not true. In fact, you're, you're going to hear from our podcast guest today in just a few minutes, Kat Schmoyer, where she blows you away with, actually, there's a very, very teeny tiny percentage of your audience that is your customer. Audience and customer are not the same thing. But we know we have to have an audience in order to get customers. Yes. And you have to grow an audience in order to have more customers. So there is a relationship. But again, what does this have to do with teaching? Well, you said in a past episode, and this is probably one of my favorite things that you have said on the podcast, which is, are you a teacher or a talker? Mm, that's okay? right. Well, a talker has an audience, right? But a teacher has customers. Yeah. And I thought about calling this episode the Dream Crushers episode. <laughs> we are not dream crushers, I no. promise you. But we've we've got a lot of friends. We know a lot of business owners. We are around people that have great ideas. And privately, over the years, you and I have looked at each other and we've heard a great idea that somebody has had and we're like, it's not going to make any money. That's right. not going to go well, right? And, and you won't have... Because I've talked and coached so many people through their ideas and the fruition never happened because I knew you're not going to make any money. 
And again, the whole reason that you have an online course is to earn money. And that's why I say that we never want to be dream crushers. We never want to have those painful conversations with people. But you can tell, especially if you own a business and you get it, you know pretty quickly, is this going to make money or not? It might be a passion project. It might be a mission, but that doesn't mean that it's going to make money. And we want to help you make money because if you're like us, this is your J-O-B. Or maybe it's your side hustle that you want to turn into your J-O-B and you want to sustain your family and your future with this new gig. And so we want to help you do that. But guess what? You can't make any money if you don't have an audience because your customers will come from your audience. You will talk to your audience and you will teach your customers. And all of this really is aligned in that. There is a lesson that I teach my kids And we actually learned this when we started playing chess together. I'm a quality time person. And so I was trying to find this thing that I could do with my kids at night that just spend some one-on-one quality time. So we played chess pretty much every night. When we first started playing chess, I taught them this lesson. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And they live by this principle. Yeah, I actually, I said it to them. Oh gosh, what was it? Something happened this weekend. I forget what it was, but like Ellie did something. And we talked about it and I was like, doesn't mean just because you can. And she was like, doesn't mean you should. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But in chess, what they would do as any good kid would do when you're first learning a game is they would try to take whatever piece was in front of them. And so if I would move something around and it's like, you can get my rook or you can get my queen, they would immediately take it without thinking. And what I had to teach them is like, hey, just because you can take that piece doesn't mean you should, because I actually was hoping that you would take that piece so I can actually take your king. I'm thinking ahead, but they're thinking in the moment. All that to say, when you apply that to teaching online, you have to think just because you can, should you? Mm -hmm. Just because you have a camera and a microphone and just because you like talking about something and teaching something, is that going to translate to sales? Is that going to translate to money? And obviously you're listening to this because you want to make money. So if you're like, no, I don't care about the money. You grab that mic and you just keep talking to the wall, my friend. But if you want to have an audience and you want to get customers and you want to make money, then this podcast is for you. And so we want to look at your audience today. And there's a really wonderful way to look at like, who is your audience and how could you possibly make money? We're going to break that down for you. So ultimately, how do you know if you should teach an online course and how do you know if it's right for you, your business and your customers? There's actually three questions that we want to guide you through. And this would be a great time to open up the notes app on your phone or your computer or grab a scratch piece of paper or just download our free toolkit like we've already told you about. There are three questions that we need to ask you relating to your audience. So the first one, is your audience impatient? Ask yourself that question. Now, I do have to preface that when you're talking about kind of an assumed audience, a hypothetical audience, you are guessing, you are assuming, but that's healthy. That's what a good business owner does is they predict and and they, they match those things. So is your audience impatient? That is the number one question that I'm going to ask somebody whether they want to teach an online course or heck, even if they want to start a business, is your audience impatient for something? And that is critical when it comes to online. We've talked a lot about how teaching online requires a different kind of teaching because the internet is a different kind of classroom. That's one of our principles. And what that means is anytime that we go online for something, we want it now. We want it instantly. You think about if you're purchasing something on Amazon, 
right? I, do you remember the days? Do you remember the days <laughs> that you would buy something on Amazon and it could be a week before you got it? And then Prime came out and now you can get it in two days. You can even get it as early as the next day. We want things instantly. If you think about the credit card, one of the reasons so many people go into debt is because we're impatient. We have to have it now. It's to the point that we're willing to spend the money that we don't have so that we can get what we want and then figure out how to pay for it later. We, especially online, you have to understand as an online business entrepreneur, people want things now. And when it comes to teaching and when it comes to learning, remember, people really don't want to learn. They just want to be able to do what you're doing and be who you are immediately. So the answer to this question is either yes or no. Is your audience impatient? Yes or no. Now, if you've just said no, it doesn't mean you should throw your pencil away and trash all your ideas and be like, well, I can't have an online course. My audience is not impatient. But let's move on to our next question. Okay. So you've asked the question, is your audience impatient? The next question is, is your audience uninformed? Now, this might seem simple because you're like, well, I have something to teach them. But the reality is we are online. There is tons of information online. We've said this before and we're going to say it again. People aren't paying you for information. They're paying you for imitation. They want to be like you. And a lot of the times I'm going to speak into the sleep world, of the business that I have for sleep. My information on schedules, on sleep training, none of that is revolutionary. I am not the first person to say that stuff. In fact, there are thousands of us around the world doing the exact same thing, saying the exact same things. But the reason that people want to come learn from me is because they're, I'm explaining it in a slightly different way that makes it click. They are understanding, okay, I felt really confused by schedules, but just the way that you explained it, that made sense. And so my audience was uninformed, even though there's tons of information out there. And you have to understand, what is it that they already know? What is it that you have as a teacher, right? We always come to a lesson with what we are most proud of, with the information that we are the most excited about. It's like, this is my secret sauce. I'm going to wow everybody with what I'm about to say. I mean, this is proven in all of the times that I've ever taught. I've had people come up to me and say, Hey, I already knew what you said, but I have never heard somebody say it the way you did. And the way that you just said it, the way that you just explained it, I'm I'm never going to forget it now. It wasn't that they didn't know it. It was just that they had never heard it that way. And that is a, is a great point to make that if, if you are coaching someone right now or you have clients or you have an agency and you're doing some one-on-one work and you don't even have a course yet, or you have a course and people are telling you this, then you, my friend, are sitting on gold. The fact that you are explaining things in a way that's different and unique, your audience is uninformed. They, they may know some concepts about the topic you're teaching, but you have an ability to, to teach them and to share with them something that really shines a light in a way that no one else has done before. So the first question that we want to make sure that you're looking at is, is your audience impatient? And what are they impatient for, right? That's kind of the next step of that. But question two is, is your audience uninformed? And what are they uninformed about? This is all information that we're giving you in our toolkit to kind of journal through. But these two questions are huge. The third question kind of starts to lean into those dollar signs. Is your audience income? What does that mean? The first question that I have for you is, are you currently making money 
in your skill or your service that your course is going to be based on? Are you currently making any kind of income, whether it's a lot... If you're in a service-based industry and you're working one-on-one with people in an active format and you're making a lot of money and you're like, you know what? I want to convert this into more of a passive digital service product. Are you making money on that? That gives you a good baseline for what your income potential could be. Yes. You have to be making money in order to turn around and teach online. I don't want to go learn from someone who's literally made nothing or done nothing. That's not the point. So when you, it's funny that you said, like when you first told me this question, I was like, Chad, I think you're missing a word, an article or something in this. (laughs) Like is your audience income? What do you mean by that? But this is the reality. It does start with you. It starts with what income potential you have had with your skill, with your service, with your business. And I know what some of you are thinking right now because you're sitting here and like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, this is an idea I had. I I wanted to enter into the online teaching space. I want to sell courses, make some passive income. I haven't made money yet, but but I think I might. Well, good. Let's look at that then, okay? We have to ask, is our audience income? What is the... The, the transactional potential that your content has. And, and you want to go back to the very first question we asked. Is your audience impatient for anything? If they are impatient for something, they are more likely to throw money your way. They want to get out their wallets at you. They want to. And oftentimes we've actually seen, this may be a side tangent. So Chad, just like tell me to stop talking if this is a side. <laughs> Never back. But uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought because you interrupted me. You said it's a side tangent. I know I did. Oh, it is a side tangent. Okay, so if you are someone who is looking at like, oh, but I want people to start paying me, but you've had no no like qualifications of you making money and what you're doing, it doesn't mean that it's a bad idea. It just means that like, hey, maybe, like you said, maybe go focus on that for a minute and then come back to this concept of I can make money from my audience. And your audience needs to be willing to pay you, as you said earlier, because they are impatient or they're uninformed about something. Right. And if you answered no to the impatient question, like, you know, I, I have something really great to offer, but it, people aren't chomping at the bit to, to get it. That's okay. But what it does is it puts more pressure now on you. You have to be somebody that people know, that they love, and that they really want to learn from. And it it puts a lot more of an emphasis on you selling your personal skill, your personal brand, than it does actually maybe solving a problem. So if you want to teach while online, you're going to need to grow an audience. And we have brought in one of our dear friends and someone who we spend a lot of time with on a weekly basis who is our integrator in our business, which means that she and her team get in the weeds of our business. They know all of our audience numbers. They know all of our income numbers. They understand how the inside guts of our business work because they've set a lot of it up. Cashmoyer and the Cashmoyer Agency, we could not run our business without them. And so we invited Kat to come on the podcast to talk about why is this important that we grow an audience? And Kat is going to share some metrics that you need to really be paying attention to when it comes to the number of your audience and the number of your customers. Um, And then once we're wrapped up with her interview, I'm going to share three ways that you can start to grow an audience. Hey y'all, I am Kat Schmoyer. I own KS Agency and we work with digital product creators to create, launch, and scale digital products. 
products. What does that look like on a day to day? That means that I am in the back end of businesses. I'm working in tech like ConvertKit, Kajabi, Zapier, Flowdesk, all the things, helping piece all of the things together that are needed to get the course off the ground or to scale an existing course by working on evergreen funnels or live launching from the get-go. So lots of behind the scenes that I get to do with my team for creative business owners. And a ton of experience doing that. Not just like, oh, just like a handful (laughs) of people, like a lot of people. Yes, yes. It's so much fun. I've seen a lot of different launch strategies, a lot of different evergreen strategies. Um, So it's been really, really cool to watch it grow. Can you define real quick, because we were in a mastermind together and the term evergreen was like always thrown around and someone was Mm -hmm. like, what exactly does that mean? Can you just like quickly define what is the difference between like a live launch versus an evergreen? Great question. So a live launch is going to be something that has an exact start and end date, whereas an evergreen funnel is something that's always green. It's always on. Somebody could jump in and grab that product, that course, that membership, whatever it is, instantly right away. Whereas the live launch, it might be something that's evergreen. Maybe it's something that you always have running, but you decide to host a specific open close with a bonus or a price urgency or scarcity around it. I think a lot of people jump straight to that when they're designing their course. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, I want to make an online course and I'm going to live launch it before they ever consider the actual content or what we're talking about today the audience behind this. And that's what we, that's why we asked you on here is because you have so much experience in this that we need to have an honest conversation before you even get to, is it evergreen? Is it live launch? We have to talk about who is, who are the people buying this? And do you even have people buying this? A hundred percent. This is a huge mistake that I see online product creators make all the time. And I say this with love because I also did this when, um, when my business was like focused on, um, digital products myself, I had online courses, I had smaller like products, templates, guides. I had a membership, things like that. Um, I, messed up really badly when I was creating those products because I didn't fully understand what my audience was asking for. I also didn't understand that my audience might be asking for something, but they're not quite ready to pay me to provide the solution yet. So it's not just growing the audience. It's also making sure like I'm growing an audience of potential buyers, not just people that want the free content. Yeah, one of the things that I, I love to say is that you don't create an online course in order to grow an audience. You create an online course for an audience that you've already grown. And sometimes we put the cart before the horse there and we're like, yes. I have this great idea. I want to make a lot of money, passive income. And so you make this course and you put it out there and then you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> yes. all this time. And and I love that you said mistake because this it, it's a painful conversation to have, especially when you're having with other people about like, oh no, I just made this mistake. I just spent all of this money, all of this time. For some people, it's like reputational damage. Like I I put myself out there and I didn't see the return on it. Like what are some of the mistakes that either you've seen or you've experienced that have just like really hit raw for you when it comes to missing the audience mark? I think it's everything that you just said, Chad. Um, I have seen, and again, this is in my own brand years ago when I was in the digital product space myself more fully, as well as with the clients that I'm currently working with. I see clients that are getting started with a product and decide that, you know what, I want this signature course, quote unquote. Like I need to just all the bells and whistles, do all of the things and hear 
here is A to Z, the signature program. Is there anything wrong with that? No, absolutely not. That's probably your entire playbook on whatever it is that you're teaching on. And that's phenomenal for the consumer. But you've spent all of this time building out that product and not marketing the nuts and bolts of the product to make sure like, well, once I put this out here at $1,000, $2,000, whatever the price point is, are people willing, do they trust me enough to pay that kind of in like that kind of finances to then purchase the product? Yeah. And one of the things that we talk about, and, and you heard us when we first did the Teach Well Online pitch, you were there in the room. We were like, you know, so many business coaches and so many smart people, they always go straight to the marketing and they say, you know what? Like you got to get your marketing clear, clarify your marketing, make sure all those stuff. And we are saying, get your your concept right first, get your teaching right first, get the outcome focused. Because if you do the teaching bit right, that is going to give you clarity for your marketing. And then you can start to bring all these resources in and, and put it out there. And Part of what you do with integrating, we, we had a joke when you were out of house a couple of weeks ago. We, we joked a lot about it being all about the math, right? It, it's all mm-hmm. about math. How much math, like for, for someone like you integrating things, like looking in the back end of people's businesses and, and being really connected with, with marketing and conversion rates and things like that, how much of this is math or is it more something else? I think a lot of it is math. And that's kind of funny because math was like my least favorite subject in school. (laughs) So like, I don't like math. I don't enjoy math. Like I hope I never have to help my kids with math homework. Like I'm not going to be that person. However, when we look at a digital product business, if we're really thinking about it from the business side of things, there are conversion rates. There are numbers that tell us across the board, if I launch a product, if I put something out into the world, one to 3% of my email list will purchase that product. That's a general, that is a very generalized um, conversion rate. Okay. So when we get industry to industry, that's going to get a little bit more specific, or maybe you have a webinar or a challenge. Again, there's so many options. So don't get overwhelmed with those options. Just think about the like one to 3%. And if you really look at that number and then you say, well, I have 500 people on my email list. 1% of 500 people is not a lot of people. Does that mean that you shouldn't go ahead and move forward with that product? Not necessarily. It just means that you need to have the reality check of, but this is what the math tells me. The math tells me that if I do all of this work on the product and I put it out there, I can expect one to 3% to purchase. So that's your reality. That's your goal. And then you can move forward within that, knowing that you are starting small. You're starting with a list of 500 and you hope the next time you launch it, it's at 1500. And maybe the next time you launch it, it's at 2500. And then it can grow from there with the math. Yes. And so one of the big things that I want to lean into as like the action step taker is, okay, Kat, if you were to tell somebody, hey, you have a list of 500 people. I, I see your concept. It's actually a really great concept. You are doing a really good job of building the know, like, and trust. So yeah, go ahead and launch it. And then let's focus on growing that audience. Like you said, for step two, 1500, step three, you know, 2,500, whatever that is. What are your best strategies to actually grow that audience, to actually grow that email list strategy? What are some of the maybe top three ways that you've seen your clients grow their audience to prep for a launch? Great question. So the top strategy is going to be Facebook ads, um, which is not necessarily even my favorite strategy to like really get into the weeds with because there are so many 
things that go into deciding to run Facebook ads for your brand. I also sometimes hesitate to say that, especially if you guys are listening, those of you listening who maybe you've never launched anything before. I am not a believer of like, you have to run ads before you ever launch your first product. No, I don't believe that. But I do think that ads can basically take you from a marathon to a sprint when it comes to um, getting more people on your email list. So ads would be one of the options. Another option is going to be consistent content marketing. So if you are, if you think that your people are on YouTube, you're going to want to start being consistent with YouTube. If you think that your people are listening to a podcast, you're going to want to start being consistent with the podcast. If you think your people are binge watching Instagram Reels, because hello, everybody's binge watching Instagram Reels, get on Instagram Reels. But you need something consistent with your content marketing. Being consistent with content marketing allows your audience to really understand who you are, to have no like trust that you are the expert in the industry, and then to jump on your email list which would be that third step of the process is then consistently nurturing your email list. Don't just get all those people on your email list through ads or a podcast and then have them sit there until all of a sudden you send them a sales email. That's probably not going to convert the best. So you want to have some consistent email marketing within that too. Which actually it gets an even deeper like to the heart of our whole podcast, which is We want you to show up and teach really well so you can serve people really well, which helps you sell more, but you cannot do what you just were saying is like the detriment of a lot of online business owners, which they're like, yeah, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do Instagram. I'm going to do YouTube. I'm going to get people on my email list, but literally be crickets on your email until you Mm -hmm. ask something from them in your head thinking, but I've been present on YouTube, but I've been present on Instagram. But unfortunately, if you want to have an online course and sell that online course, you also have to be present on all of these things and especially on email. So I'm really glad you brought that up. I also think that when you are thinking about growing your audience in conjunction with the product, don't be afraid to just start small with the product. Um, So maybe you have this Google Doc outline of, again, going back to like this signature course and you're like, ah, this is all the things that it's going to be. But that might be the two-year plan. Right now, in the three-month plan, the next quarter, we're going to start small. And we're going to take a chunk of that and we're going to have a little masterclass or we're going to have a template or we're going to have a bundle, whatever fancy name you want to call it. We're going to have something small. That is low cost, low ticket. It allows your audience to get used to purchasing from you. It also allows you to start to see what does your audience want? What are they actually willing to put a credit card down for? And then they're going to tell you, they're going to give you feedback. What more do they want from you? What questions do they still have? What do they not like? What do they love? All the things. And then that's going to go into the big program. So just start small. And then I feel like it'll feel more realistic and more doable to be like, okay, I also need to be consistent on my podcast. I also need to be consistent on email marketing. So in order to do those things and build the program, start with a small program. And I would say too, with that, you're not just trying to grow your audience. You're trying to create this community with your audience, which is doing exactly what you said. If you are helping them by offering a low cost way to get to know each other and form this great community to form a great relationship, and you're serving, let's say on YouTube, and you're serving on Instagram, and you're serving emails, 
then as time goes by and they really like you and they really enjoy your education and they see wins from your education because you're teaching really well, then when you're offering this like big, like you said, signature course, it's an absolute yes. And by that point, your one to 3% is much higher because you've built your Mm -hmm. email list so much greater. Absolutely. A lot of times people will focus so much on growing their audience that they get confused and, and about the difference between an audience and a customer. And they, they work mm. so hard. They actually spend 80, 90% of their time trying to grow their Instagram, um, trying to, to grow their subscriber account on YouTube, uh, trying to grow their Facebook following, like, you know, even, even to a degree, just trying to grow their email list, which I would say is a, a very worthy endeavor that they miss the point that like the ultimate goal is to get customers, to get paying customers. And sometimes, and most times, it's when you get the sale and you get those happy customers, they can be your biggest advocate. They can be some of the biggest audience growers, if that's even a word, possible, right? And so, I mean, any thoughts or have you experienced this where where people will literally kind of, they'll shift and they get confused and they spend all of their effort trying to grow a Instagram following and, and that's their metric for success and failure. When in reality, we want our, as a business owner, we want our metric to be landing sales to selling courses. And if we do that right, it'll translate to more sales. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times someone will come to me and say, Kat, I want to hire you guys. I want to launch this product. I have 100,000 people on my Instagram. Right? I have 20,000 people on my Instagram. And my next question is, how big is your email list? Like, I don't know of a conversion rate of, okay, if you have 50,000 followers on your Instagram, you're going to convert X amount. And the reason that we don't know that number is maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we should Google that. Maybe there is a number. I don't know that number. And the reason I don't think I know that number is because the algorithm changes constantly. And one minute you're showing up in front of 20,000 of those people. And then the next week you're only showing up in front of 10. Like it's on and on again and off again. And so that's not reliable. Is it still good to focus on Reels or on um, Instagram stories and really connecting with your audience? Yes. But that's a top of funnel vessel that gets them down into your email list. And then your email list is where we know, okay, three, one to 3% or three to five or whatever it is we've determined in your specific industry is that conversion. That's where the math starts to work for you. I can tell you an exact story of that happened this weekend for me. It was like, I've told you, Kat, that like, I can't like, for some reason, my numbers are just stuck. Like I cannot grow. It's just like this exact number. And I've just decided to throw it out the window because ultimately that's not my goal. I want to get you on my email list. Right. But this past weekend, I shared a story of our girls listening to the Yodo player and listening to little women and just was like, Hey, you guys were right. Like people told me I'd like the Yodo. You guys were right. They're listening to it. They love it literally deleted the app because I was like, that's the weekend. I'm going to just put it away. Deleted the app. Then less than 24 hours later, I was like, oh, you know what? Time change is coming. I needed to remind my audience of that. So I re-downloaded the app, opened up my stories and saw that 12,000 people had seen the Yodo story. And I was like, what the heck? (laughs) That is like astronaut. That's a fourth of my audience saw that. And that is not a guarantee because on average, I can get like on a good day, 3000 views on Instagram story. Right. And it's like, then I posted about time change and, you know, got a couple thousand, but I was like, (laughs) what the heck? You just don't know. It's like, it's on again, off again, and you can never depend on it. So in order to grow an audience, you, we all agree, you have to have an email list. The problem is that's money, right? In order to go into an online business, you're going to have to spend money in order to reach people. And so Kat, could you talk a little bit, especially as an integrator, you work in a lot of different 
email provider systems. If if we have somebody that's listening, they're wanting to start an online business, they're wanting to to start doing online courses. Where would you point them in terms of email providers in order to manage their email list and to send and, and get good sending reputation, all of those things? I'm going to give you guys two um, recommendations here. ConvertKit and Flowdesk. They're going to be my top two email providers. Both of them allow you to do what we just talked about. They allow you to send consistent emails, whether that's weekly, monthly, whatever it is that you decide to do. They also allow for some automations. So for example, if you have a freebie, which you should, so create an opt-in with the email marketing platform that you're using. Um, with that freebie, you can create a landing page right there inside of those platforms. So if you don't love your website, or maybe you don't even really have a great website yet, like just do it right there in Desk or in ConvertKit, design that landing page, get their email address, and then you can have an automation on the back end that immediately delivers that freebie for them. And then maybe even goes ahead and sends them one to two emails after that's like, hey, introducing you, introducing what you want to do for them, how you can help them and like points them back to your Instagram, something simple like that. But when both of those providers, ConvertKit and Flowdesk are going to be able to do that, ConvertKit does have even more integrations and automation set up within it. So I will say that if you already have an existing email list, um, that ConvertKit might be a really great, great one to check out because of just the additions with the automations as your business grows. And if you're just getting started with zero, Flowdesk would be a great and really cost-efficient option. All right. We have walked away from this knowing that you need to have an audience, period. End of story. You can't even teach anyone unless you have an audience, right? And so I appreciate, Kat, your insights in what that can do for your business, what math equations we need to be looking at when you even are growing your audience, and even where we can go for that. So thank you for sharing that. Can you point us and point our audience to where can they find more about you and the services that you provide? I would love to connect with you guys on Instagram. Voice DMs are like where it's at for me. So at Catchmeyer is my Instagram handle. And you'll also find a link to our website right there too. Awesome. Thank you for joining us, Kat. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks guys. In that interview with Kat, she mentioned something called Kajabi. And we use Kajabi in our day-to-day business life. We love it. We could not run our businesses without it. It's a fantastic all-in-one platform. I've told so many friends about this who are trying to start an online business because it does everything for you. It does everything. And one of the the biggest critiques that people have is that it's too expensive. And it is expensive, Mm -hmm. but it will do everything for you. And we're actually going to give you a code to try it. Yes, we have a free 30-day trial link to Kajabi. So if you scroll down in the show notes or head to teachwellonline.com slash Kajabi, that's K-A-J-A-B-I, you're going to get a free 30-day trial. Now, my friend, if you listen, this is what Kajabi does. And this is what it has. Not only could you have your website on Kajabi, you could have your blog on Kajabi. You could have your podcasts on Kajabi. You can have your email. You can have your courses, your membership. Like CRM management. It has everything. If you do coaching, it is all within this one system. Simply put, if you want to teach well online, you have to deliver your content well. Yes. And this platform is going to help you grow your audience through their email list and through your podcast and your blog and your website. It's a fantastic thing. 
we can we could rave about this all day long. I joked that we should have the letter K before if you want to teach well online, you should have Kajabi, but we'll do you one better and give you this 30-day free trial link. Check that out to grow your audience using Kajabi. Okay, so we talked about the importance of having the right audience. We walked you through some questions on how to know, is this the right target audience for you? We just heard from Kat talking more about the audience. So Becca, how do we actually grow an audience? This is my jam. This is like, this is the marketing arm, right? Like, let's actually get our words out there into the world. Let's market what we've got. So, the first thing we want to do is we need to give them something and give them something for free to get on our email list. That's what Kat and I just talked about was getting some type of freebie and serving them something really, really good. I mean, hello, a prime example of that is the toolkit that you're getting with this episode is like, hey, we want to grow our audience at Teachable Online and we want to find the right people by providing this free toolkit. What is it that you can provide for free to someone that will actually change their life? This is the key. Not a lot of people out there are talking about the fact that a freebie that you give to collect an email address should be good, okay? When I'm designing a free download, whether that's for our Little Z's brand, whether that's for our Sleep Sorority brand or Teach Well, whatever it is, it needs to be something that can actually be implemented and be implemented well and help that person either move the needle or change their life. It's got to be good. Why does that matter? Well, because if that person is getting it, they're going to experience results and they're going to tell other people. And that is a ripple effect, right? That's going to naturally grow your audience through word of mouth. And that will help you grow your audience is just by providing something that is free to them. They can put their email address into and they get it for free and it's going to be amazing for them. And what you said was so true. We actually did a survey with Little Z's a couple of years ago. We were really curious. At that point, we had built an Instagram following. We had been doing a podcast for two plus years running, maybe even longer than that. We had a YouTube channel going. We had done everything and we were sitting in the office one day and we were like, where are we getting the most customers? Like, and so we put a survey out there. We emailed yeah. it out. We had hundreds of people participate. And I think 80% mm -hmm. of our people heard about us through word of mouth. Yes. It was not through paid ads. It was not through YouTube. It was through, oh, word of mouth, which does point to obviously all these other avenues, but so-and-so told so-and-so. And that is the number one way to grow your audience is give them something that is so valuable for free. They can't help but post about it, share about it, send it to their friends and be like, hey, you've got to get in on this. The second way that you can grow your audience is to invest in them long-term. So yes, you're going to provide them something for free they can grab really quickly. And you're going to serve them weekly content. But just like we talked about in episode C, you got to be consistent. You have to consistently be there for them. You're partnering with them for the long haul. You're not in it to just make a quick buck off of them and say, peace, see you later. You care about their transformations and you care about their journey. Even if they're not your customer, you care about your audience. How do you do that? Well, you do that by showing up and that's step three, which is interacting with them frequently. Kat talked about how, no, social media is not the platform that we want to look at our, at our metrics from, but it is the prime platform to be human with. That is the prime platform to show your face in the non-filtered glory of who you are and show your life and connect with them. You will connect with more people in this way than you may actually connect with them in your course. You oh, will connect absolutely. with more people through social media. You'll have a stronger connection than you actually will with your teaching and with your course. Which all of that, if you've ever heard of the no like trust factor, 
social media and email. That's how you build the no like and trust factor for an audience member to then feel comfortable saying, I really like this person. I really trust this person. And I'm going to go ahead and give them some money because I know they can help me transform my life. So the three tips to help you grow your audience that you can use right now and start implementing are to give them something valuable for free, invest in them long-term. You are not playing the short game. You're playing the long game. This is a marathon, not a sprint to the finish. And we want to be making sure that you are interacting with them frequently, whether that's a weekly email, daily on social media, weekly content, whatever that looks like for you, you are doing this consistently. So to recap this episode, if you want to teach while online, you have to grow an audience. There's a difference between an audience and customers. In order to teach well, you have to connect with the right people. So ask yourself these three questions. Is your audience impatient for something? If so, what is that? Is your audience uninformed? What do they already know? What do they need to know? And finally, is your audience income? Are you making money right now in your skill or service that you want to teach online? And will people pay for it? Once you've identified your target audience, work to grow that audience by giving them something, investing in them long-term, remaining consistent. If you've really enjoyed this episode, but you want to get your hands dirty into the questions, you want to spend some time reflecting, and you want more insight on how to grow an audience, what this could look like for the actual content, because there's a whole side of this conversation we didn't even have yet on what can your content look like for what your audience wants. You are going to want to grab our online course clarity framework. With the course clarity framework, you will be able to address what your audience is hungry for, what are they uninformed about, and what kind of content is going to serve them well. You can grab that for free in the show notes below. You can have the right audience, but if you're not serving them the right way, if you're not teaching them the right way, it's not going to work for you. So be sure to grab this framework. We promise to not take another three-week break between this episode and the next week. We have so much good stuff coming for you, and we're excited to share with you next week the letter H. Thank you for joining us here on the Teach Well Online podcast. If you could scroll down wherever you're listening, especially in the podcast app, if you could give us a rating and review, it would mean so much to us if you could tap those shiny five stars if you think that this is a five-star podcast, which it is. And we're so grateful for you being here with us every week. And remember, anyone can teach well online if they know how. <laughs>